before I start, I wanted to, a couple of weeks ago, Becky and I were in, uh, in the United Kingdom, the motherland, so to speak, and we were with the Marshalls, and um, they're doing great. I would just, you've heard of Wi-Fi hotspots? Y'all know what that is, a place where you can get on the internet? Well, they have, literally, they have a Holy Spirit hotspot there, and a very trying nation. That nation is way down the road in a negative sense from where we are as a nation. It's, it's hurting. And there's a lot of discouragement. There's a lot of disappointment with the, with the people in that nation. And, and even the church in that nation is, is really down. The, but they, they got the Lord there. I mean, it's amazing. I'll tell you how much they got the Lord. I'm not the best person to go to the prayer meetings. I'll just, you know, some of y'all know that. I'm a very distracted human being. So, But, man, I, they had a prayer meeting there I went to that was, like, off the charts, Holy Ghost good. So they're doing just amazing, and they welcome people to come there. Um, you were there, and they, she really, you had a real impact over there. Uh, so if you feel so inclined to go, they would love to have you. You just need to talk to them, though. Don't just show up. <laughs> but they'd love to have you, and it's just wonderful where they, where they live. If you think about an English village in your mind, that's where they live at, in the English village. It's amazing. That's an amazing nation. We got to, one day went over to Cambridge, Cambridge University, which is the second university in the, in the world in, in terms. And it's just an amazing place, the history there. Uh, and what has people who went to school there and were, were trained through that university, like Sir Isaac Newton. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, that's a, sort of like the who's who of historical geniuses were educating that school. And it was just a lot of fun. So we had a good time. And so they send their greetings to you. I just want to tell you that little story. But So I'm going to talk to you here this morning. Uh, about the hidden glory of God, the hidden glory of God. Um, you know, Moses, I have talked about this a little bit. Moses prayed this prayer in Exodus, Exodus thirty-three, thirteen: Teach me your ways that I might know you. That's a powerful prayer to pray. But then five verses later, he prayed in Exodus thirty-three, eighteen: Lord, please show me your glory. Something happened to him in between those five verses. Something, you know, God deposited something into Moses' heart because Moses, is, I believe, realized to, to know the Lord is to know the, the glory of the Lord. And to, to get a revelation of God's glory is the way we would know the Lord. That's really why Moses asked the Lord to reveal His, his glory to him. And so the way we know the Lord will impact everything in our life. I know I've said that a few times, but it's really true. It impacts how you know yourself, how you see yourself. It impacts how you see everyone around you. It impacts how you live your life. So it's a powerful revelation uh, to receive an, an insight into to the glory of the Lord. Now, when the Bible talks about the glory of the Lord, it's not talking about there's many aspects to the glory of the Lord. There's, you know, His goodness, there's His mercy, there's His love, there's His grace, um, there's His character, the character of God. It also uh, talks about light, light's connected, you know, revelatory light, um, weight. There's a weightiness to the glory of the Lord, but it, at the end of the day, really what the glory of the Lord is really all about is about the person of God, about who God is. And so when we begin to... That's what Moses, he caught that. He caught that God is glorious and God is, is wonderful and he wanted to know that aspect of God. And so that's a, it's a transforming revelation. It really is. A, it, it really will transform us and, and turn our hearts and call. It, it's really the greatest antidote to lukewarmness there is. It's the, the greatest antidote to sin there is. It's because when we begin to see God and see the beauty of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord and how God really is, we fall in love with Him and, and it gives us passion and gives us desire for Him. That's really why, why Moses prayed that because he realized without this revelation of the beauty of the Lord and what God is really like, 
that his life would be a struggle. And that's why many Christians' lives are a struggle. Because we lack this revelation of God and God's character and nature. And so we look at God many times. I mean, for years I looked at God as being hard and difficult. Therefore, the way I looked at everything was hard and difficult. The way I looked at myself was hard and difficult. You know, they were talking about, you know, that you're God's favorite. Well, you'll never really be able to look yourself in the eye and say, I'm God's favorite until you really see who God really is. That's the secret to all of this. The secret to the Christian life and really living the, the flourishing life is really get a revelation of God's glory. And when we begin to see God's glory, and God really wants to release that revelation. It's a powerful, powerful prayer to pray. And I hope you're praying that. I started praying, you know, Lord, teach me your ways that I might know you. And, you know, God kind of started messing up my, my theology, I guess. I mean, you know, God can just really ruin your theology. In fact, I think God would like to take a jackhammer to some people's theology this morning. I, I can just see God grab a jackhammer and just say, I'm ready to go and just bust up some stuff. Bust up some beliefs. Bust up some hearts this morning. You know? I mean, it's the best thing that ever happened. But it kind of threw me off, you know. And didn't kind of felt a little out of kilter there for a bit, a time. of Where like, you know, just where am I? You know, and, and so I began to really ask the Lord about His glory. Uh, because Moses asked him, honestly. <laughs> that was my best reason for getting on that. But the more I really thought about it, the more I realized how the glory of God is embedded into everything Christian. In fact, if you take, if you take the glory out of the Bible, you take God out of the Bible. You literally take God out of the Bible. There's no, there's no God in the Bible if you take His glory out. Because it's, it's just like it's intertwined in everything. And when you begin to really look at His glory, it, feels, it, it felt overwhelming to me. It felt like it was too much. It felt like it was too big. It felt like there's no way to get your hands on it because it's, like, because it's like God Himself. It's greater than anybody or any man could ever understand, ever grasp with their mind. See, this is not something we get with our brains. It will blow every one of your brain circuits out. It's something only our heart can grasp a hold of and, and then then it's just a little trickle then it's just a little trickle of what God's really like a little trickle but a little trickle of God will change everything about us and that little trickle of God could change the world think about Jesus dropped his blood I don't how much blood is in the human body Lenore how many quarts eight how, how much blood is in the human body Four or five what? Leaders. What is a leader? We're English. Huh? Two and a half Coke bottles. That's a, two and a half Coke bottles. If all of his blood was poured out, think about how relatively small that is for the whole world. Yet look what it's done to the whole world. Just that little bit of blood had so much glory in it. And that little bit of blood can change a man's life, can change the, the worst sinner, the meanest, cold-hearted person. He can turn him into the greatest lover of God. You know, isn't that powerful? Uh, you know, here's what Second uh, Corinthians 4, 4 says, the gospel of the glory of Christ. The God, that's what Paul called the gospel, the gospel of the glory. So even the gospel itself, Paul refers to it, the gospel of glory. It's a powerful thought, really. Another thing is if you take yourself, if you take glory out of the Bible, we, it takes us out. This is an amazing thought. Isaiah 43 verse 7 says this, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created, what? For my, what? Glory. For my glory. That's our highest purpose is Glory. That's your highest purpose. That's my highest purpose is the glory of God. That's why we're on this earth, really. It's for His glory. I have formed Him. Yes, I have made Him. This is another little amazing scripture I find to be just totally fascinating about the glory of God, of how much it permeates our life. It's 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. 
This is what Paul saw, said. Therefore, whether, whether you eat or drink, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do with your life, do it for what? The glory of God. In other words, the most mundane, everyday thing, even the food you put in your mouth, how you eat, what you eat, how you go about eating. Do it for the glory. In fact, so the glory is everywhere. It's permeated our life. Yet, yet the glory in many times is hidden from us. It's hidden. There's a glory, a, a mighty glory that's hidden. We don't see it, but it's everywhere at the same time. And see, that's the, really the thing that I begin to see is God's glory is awesome. And there are times when God unveils His glory, a glimpse of His glory to us. And in that moment, it's awesome. But many times, day in and day out, God's glory is hidden. It's under the surface. But it's still there. And it's still, it's, it's still impacting us. Are y'all following this? A couple of people are. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Let me read John 1.14. This is the when we begin to ask the Lord to reveal His glory. Obviously, the New Testament is where God wants us to get our understanding our, of revelation of glory. Um, and it says, this, this is the most beautiful verse ever. This is the most beautiful verse in the Bible. If you think about it, it says the Word. And that's talking about Christ. That's, that was His name before He came to earth and became a man. His name was Word. Isn't that powerful? God's name, Jesus' name was Word. Word. i got a Word. That's why He wants people to know. I've got something to say. I've got something to say. And God wrote a whole book of stuff. That was, that was the, the Word, the Scriptures. A whole book he wrote. And people don't even read it. You know why they don't read it? Because it hasn't become flesh to them. God wants the Word to become flesh to us. I think if, you know, John, Luke 24. Are y'all good this morning? I mean, y'all ain't looking too happy. But I'll be honest with you. That's your problem. I'm pretty happy. You know, Hebrews knew how to celebrate. They really did. We need to go back and learn from the Hebrew culture. They, had, they were always eating something. That's why Paul threw in that food stuff. He, he was saying, there's some, some glory in food. That's what Paul was saying now. Some food's not glorious, but anyways... Um, You get it every feast day. They tried to kill us. They couldn't. That's what in the, in the Hebrews said, let's eat. <laughs> That's what we're doing. It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Of course, that's the Lord himself, Jesus. And listen, and we beheld what? His glory. That's what John's testimony. We saw his glory. We saw this glory. The glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so grace is an aspect of glory, and truth is an aspect of glory. Grace and truth don't exist apart from the glory of God. And so what God wants to do is open our eyes and give us this revelation of glory in the face of Jesus Christ. God really wants us to see this and, and, and how this was so impacting to John the Apostle that he, if you read the, the, the Gospel of John, his Gospel was all about the glory of the Lord. In fact, he's the one who used, brought in this aspect of light really big in the New Testament, of how glory and light are associated. I think they, he used it like three times, like 23 different times he talked about. God is light, Gee, we, the light of the world. All of that was about the glory. All that was, and then, and then Jesus said in Matthew uh, you're the light of the world. You're the glory of God. God's glory is resting on you. Are y'all getting this? Are y'all getting that this thing about glory is, 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 is huge, but it's, but it's everything in one sense. is everything for us. It's everything for us. Y'all ain't looking real convinced. Let me read uh, how Jesus, you're convinced? Yes and amen. Once you ever get in the glory of God, like in this manifested glory thing, you will not be the same when you get out of it, I can tell you that. It may take a while. It may take some time for it to get a hold of you, but it'll get a hold of you. But this is, this, see, what, what John did 
in his gospel is he showed us how he said we beheld his glory and then he talks about how Jesus manifested his glory. That's what he did. That's what the gospel of John is about. This is what he did. And then at the end he said, well, we couldn't tell you everything he did because there's not enough books in the world to contain how Jesus manifested the glory of God. So it's a really amazing book. If you really are saying, Lord, show me your glory, sooner or later you're going to wind up in the gospel of John and seeing what the Bible says about how God manifested his glory through Christ who was the glory of God. Are you following me? Well, this is beautiful. There was a wedding. Okay, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee in John chapter 2. And they was, there was those Hebrews partying. And they drank all the wine, which means they were probably pretty loaded that day, depending on how many people were there or how little of wine they had. That's what happened. And so they were getting anxious because it would have been an, an embarrassment to the people who were sponsoring the wedding. I guess the father of the bride, or right? Yeah, the father of the bride, you know, he run out of wine and... Jesus' mom came to him. And up at this point, Jesus had never done nothing publicly. Nothing's in the Bible about what Jesus did. Y'all know this story, the wedding. It's Jesus' first miracle that he ever did publicly. First miracle. Now listen to this. So the, the mother came to him and said, and, and said, Hey, they're running out of wine. You know, can you do something? Because she had this idea that he was something. Because, you know, obviously he was. She knew it. And she was kind of wishing, like, hey, look. Some of these days you need to do something to prove to everybody you, you are this something guy that's kind of ruined my life. You know, my life was ruined because of you. Everybody thinks I was a prostitute, you know, because I got pregnant without being married. You ruined me. Literally, God ruined that woman's life. God will ruin your life. I'm telling you, he wants to ruin some lives. If you ever get touched by God, if you ever get something from God, it is going to ruin you. You will not be satisfied. You will not be satisfied with the, the normal because you got touched by God. And you can tell when some people have. And so what, that's basically what I hear her saying. Look, dude, I gave up everything for you. I gave up my reputation. I had this sword to stick in my heart. I have hurt over you. And now come on, let's do something. And he was like, um, what does your concern have to do with me? Like, in other words, I'm not really concerned about this like you are. My hour has not yet come. In other words, here's God Almighty sitting here at this wedding. Now, he wasn't the center of attention. He was just with everybody else, enjoying the wedding, enjoying the party. Okay, an issue comes up, and he's not really being moved by her, which is pretty interesting. You know, if, if, you can't, if your mama can't get you to do something, just forget it. I mean, flat forget it. If you knew my mama, if she wanted you to do something, you were either going to do it or you were going to pay miserably, and then you would do it. So you are going to do it. So, you know, when your mama can't get you to do something, I said something about Jesus uh, to me. Dang, he wouldn't even do what his mama wanted him to do. That guy was really committed to the Lord. He was committed to the Holy Spirit. And so, you know what he did. He turned all this water into wine. And the guy came to him and said, wow, this is the best wine. Didn't come to Jesus, came to... Because it says only the servants knew. I love that. Only the servants knew what Jesus did. The big people didn't know. So that kind of tells you when you've got a servant's heart, God will let you in on things. That's what it's always said to me. And so they went to the, to the guy and said, Hey, usually people give the good wine first, and when everybody gets drunk, you know, then they bring out the bad, the cheap stuff. That's what they said. You know, when everybody's drunk, you know, then you bring out you know, the... The crummy stuff, because they won't know by then because they're so loaded, they can't tell the difference, right? Well, so Jesus saved the best for last, okay? And made it was the best one. They said, but you brought out the best at, at the end. And so that's, that's really what he did. And so it says in verse 11, This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested what? His glory. 
manifested his glory by doing this miracle. And his disciples believed in him. So if you really study the, the uh, Gospel of John, there's, I, I think in the Bible, there's like 37, I think it's 37, 37 miraculous things that Jesus did that's recorded. Like there was one time where it says he healed everybody. I guess they're counting that as one. <laughs> I mean, what, healing everybody. But 37 things he did, 37 miracles that he did. John records only eight of them. Okay? There's eight miracles in the Gospel of John. And John says he doesn't call them miracles. He calls them signs. Okay? He calls them signs. And a sign is to, to point out something that's not apparent. That's what a sign does. It tells us something that we, you know, like... Uh, if you're driving down the road and there's a stoplight ahead that you can't see or a curve, there's a sign that says there's a curve up there. You need to start slowing down because when you get there, you're going to have to. And so that's what a sign does. But here's what these miracles, and these miracles, if you go back and study all these miracles, they have a lot of really cool stuff in them. You should do it, of different things that God reveals in each miracle. But the biggest thing is what Jesus said, they said right here in verse 11, is those signs were to manifest Jesus' glory. Miracles, and there was, there was uh, healings, okay, there was raising from the dead, there was walking on water, kinds of miracles, and all those eight signs, and they were all to manifest the glory of God, and so see, that's really how in the New Testament, God began to manifest the glory of God to people is through, through the acts, miracles, and power, so the church really needs a manifestation of the glory of God. This is what the church needs. Is, is, so the world can see that God is glorious. His power reveals His glory. His miracles reveal His glory. Are y'all following that? And so that's really a key for us to really under, understand. Um, so because, here's the thing. Now, we've got to make this practical for ourselves. Gee, it wasn't apparent to everybody, the glory at that wedding. Jesus was like a normal person, okay? And so he walked on the earth. That's why a lot of people didn't buy into Jesus, because Jesus didn't look glorious, and Jesus didn't act glorious. There was really, the one time he really did was on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he only let three people see that where he really let them see his true glory. The rest of the time, the way he revealed his glory is through some kind of miracle or something he said that was like off the charts. And so that's the way God, if we're going to really... Okay, here's what I'm trying to say. God really wants us to get this. The glory is not always going to be out in the open. The glory, because that's the way it was with Jesus. And if we really want to tap into the glory of God, we've got to be able to press beyond what we're just seeing in the natural all the time. Okay. There's a, a poem that a lot of you might know by a lady named Elizabeth Barrett Browning. And it says, um, Every common bush is ablaze with the glory of God. And those who can see take off their shoes. The rest sit around and pluck berries. So are you taking your shoes off or plucking berries? That's, that's a good thought. Are you plucking berries or are you taking your shoes off? Because a lot of times, this is what the Lord told me recently when I, I told you he sort of messed me up. He said to me this one day when I was messed up, like, Lord, what in the world? My Christian life is not working so good right now. Everything that seemed to be working well for me, that I seem to have some grasp on, all of a sudden is not working well. And this is what he told me. This, these thoughts started coming to me. Well, you know what you're doing is you're trying, you're trying so hard to see into the Spirit, to see things when everything you need to see is right in front of you. It's right there. You just don't, you can't see what's right in front of you. You can't see the glory that's right there around you all the time. You need to stop all that and just start looking for the glory that's right in front of you. Because it's right there. 
I mean, let me tell you this little thing that happened to me. This is years ago. I was in this meeting down in Charlotte with a friend of mine, and I had this vision. And in the vision, there was just like this clear stream of water running. It was really cool. I really knew that was part of one of the streams that make glad the city of God. And I saw a man standing in that stream. All I could see was like from his legs, you know, the lower part of his legs to his feet. And the Lord said to me in that vision, get out on your knees and kiss those feet. And I said, I don't want to kiss those feet. Those are a man's feet. I'm not going to be touching a man's feet, Lord. And then you know what he said to me? If you can't embrace my humanness, you'll never be able to embrace my feet of glory. Revelations 115, his feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace. And you know what I did when he said that? Straight into that. Straight into that stream. And those were not very pretty feet. I remember that really well. They were really not beautiful feet like you would want to kiss. But they were the feet of the human Jesus. See, a lot of times when we think about Jesus, we think about, you know, how awesome things that Jesus did and said and his glory and all that. But we forget he, he walked on the earth just like we walk on the earth. That He felt what we felt. He sweated like we. He got thirsty like we got. Yet at the same time, he was full of glory. Is this making sense, y'all? I hope it is. Uh, I don't think I'm doing a really good job at this, but I believe what God, God wants to help us to see is glory. And it starts with a person. It starts with seeing it, not trying to have some big spiritual encounter, vision kind of thing, which those are awesome, but just seeing it right around us all the time. Let me read this one here. Maybe this will help you. It's, this is when the Lord went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. That was the one time he let in, like, you know, I'm going to really show you what I'm really like. You know, and, and it, it says that Jesus was praying, and all of a sudden, just light began to literally explode out of him. And it was just like lightning shooting out of him. And you know what lightning, I read recently, lightning, the heat off of lightning is 54,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That's how, how much energy there is in lightning. And that literally says, that's the way Jesus' face was, like lightning was shooting out. And his clothing became extremely white, whiter than anything. That, and, and, and then Moses and Elijah appeared to the disciples, and they were just like in awe of what was happening once they got awake. They were kind of drowsy. And, and, you know, Peter said all this stuff, like, let's build these three huts for you and Moses and Elijah. And then it says this cloud came. It says a cloud came on them. Okay, now this is really a high-level glory encounter, okay? A cloud came. Jesus was all lit up. Moses and Elijah was there. I mean, that's pretty, pretty significant, okay? That's like the high point in the New Testament of revelation of glory. And so... Uh, let me just read that verse 5 there. It says, While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. and A bright cloud, a glorious cloud, overshadowed them. Talking about the apostles. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud. A voice came saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. They fell. Of course they would. I mean, I don't know why they hadn't already fallen on their faces. You know, when Jesus was brightly shining, that would have scared the fire out of me. And then Moses and Elijah were like, okay, something bad's happening here or something's really good's happening here. I don't know which one, but that's how I've been thinking. Uh, and then it says, when they lifted up their eyes, listen, this is really key. This is really it right here. They saw no one, listen, they saw no one but Jesus only. Not the glorious Jesus. Not the glorious Jesus. They saw the ordinary, everyday, fleshly Jesus. That's all they saw. Just the ordinary Jesus. Don't you, don't that, does that grab your heart? That grabbed my heart for years. Like, what does that mean, Lord? What does that mean? 
to ordinary Jesus. The day in and day out Jesus. The day in and day out Jesus. The not so glamorous Jesus. The Jesus that had dirt on his feet like you have dirt on your feet. That's what they saw. That's all they saw. I think it's interesting the Bible points that out to us. It means something. Now verse 9 says, Now what? As they came down from the mountain. As they came down. Everybody say came down. Every mountain. I've said this before too, but this speaks to my heart so much. Every mountain Jesus went up on. Guess what Jesus did? He came down from the mountain. He came down from the mountain. Every move of God that I have ever, that has ever happened in the earth, guess what? That's your mountain. Every revelation, awesome. Jesus wants to take people up, but he also wants to take them down. Take them down. And see, it, it depends on what you do when, you know, you go up, you experience awesome moments with God, awesome revelation, awesome things. But then there comes a time when the Lord says, we're going to go down the mountain. We're coming off from here. We could be like Peter, like, oh, let's build booths. We're going to stay here. Everybody wants to do that, right? That's, a, that's nothing new. And some people actually do that, and then the Lord's not there anymore, and the mountain's not so great. Um, So it depends what you do when you go down the mountain. How, how, how do you relate to Jesus? How, how, are, how are you relating to Jesus these days? Those of you who have had encounters with the Lord. Who, those of you who have been in moves of God. But now that's over with. Now you just have the ordinary day in and day out Jesus. How's, how's that working for you? I mean seriously, how is that working for you? I'm going to tell you right now, for a lot of people, it's not working very good for them. It's really not. But see, we, we need for it to work good for us. See, we need to be able to accept Jesus however he appears to us, however he comes to us. That, that's what we need to latch on to. We don't need to try to latch on to something that he's not, doing not he's not revealing and that's that's a challenge for a lot of people are y'all gotten awful quiet and y'all y'all haven't been saying anything anyway i've been doing all the saying right <laughs> but i believe if we're going to really step into a more glory which i believe we are we need to be able to step into the glory we have right now. We need to be able to know the Lord the way He is today with us. The way He's revealing Himself now is the way He wants us to embrace Him. Let me just read this one other little thing. Well, here's the question. Is the everyday Jesus good enough for you? Is that, is, your, is that good enough for your Christian life just to have the everyday Jesus? See, that's the question. Well, I want to read this. You know when Peter, later in life, actually when he was an old man, about to die, ready to die, he knew he, in Second Peter he, that was his like ending thing. So anytime anybody talks about, you know, they're at the end of their life and they're wanting to tell you something that's important, like this is what's important, Okay. That would be like him saying that this is what's real. This is what I, Peter, want you guys to really know. This I could tell you a lot of things. Okay, I could tell you a lot of things about miracles. Like I could tell you about the day my shadow healed people. I, I could tell you. I could tell you about the day I preached at Pentecost and three thousand people came to know Jesus. Three thousand. One message. One really short message too. I could tell you all about that. I could tell you all them stories, but he didn't. He didn't tell us about those stories. He did tell us one story, though. Are y'all following this? Second Peter 1, 16, 18. He said, we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. 
We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You see, that's the thing that changed Peter. He saw the majesty of the Lord. He saw the glory of the Lord. It didn't change him the day it happened to him. No, it didn't. But by the time he was an old man looking back on his life, he was saying, that's what changed me. That moment on that mountain turned everything for me. It turned everything for me. And therefore, I was able to walk with the everyday Jesus from there on out. You know, he had to go through some stuff. You're going to have to go through some stuff. Listen, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Isn't that beautiful? He's talking about the Mount of Transfiguration. And when we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. You know, and so as an old man, you know, ready to die, he was telling people, this is what really made a difference in my life, was, was really seeing the glory of God. And that's what enabled me to, to walk out the life I was able to walk out, you know, and to be able to face the things that he was going to face in death. Is what he had experienced and seen on that mountain. And so here's the key, uh, I think, for a lot of people. Um, you know, when the Lord moves, uh, there's a lot of people around what God does when God's moving, right? But that doesn't mean they're in what God's doing. There's a big difference in being around it and being in it. Here's the difference. When you're in it, it does to you what it did to Peter. It impacts your life. When you're around it, you're just trying to hold on to the coattails of something happening, but it's really not impacting your life. It's not changing you forever. Because the Bible says in the Old Testament that the children of Israel saw the glory and miracles of God. But it didn't do anything. And they all still fell. And why? Because they didn't enter into like Moses did. They didn't enter in. So there's a difference between being around God moving and around the glory of God and around the presence of God and being in it. And so you had to, we had to decide. We all had to decide. Are we going to be around it or be in it? That's our choice with God. And God will let you be uh, you know, around it if that's all you want. You know, we were saying, Lord, we want more, more, more. But we want, we want. But when the more comes, people get upset with the more. People get offended with the more because God is reckless with us. He's reckless with what He does. And He, and he says, you said you wanted more. You were asking me for more. How many people did not sing that song? Probably everybody sung it. You're going to be liable when God comes into your life and starts messing with it. And starts wrecking your agendas. You're going to be liable. You can be culpable because you said, I want more, 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 Lord. It's dangerous to ask God to do that. It really is. So this morning, are y'all all right? Y'all look so tired and bored with this. I'm telling you, man. God really wants to impact people. This is two things. One, Christians need to be happy with the everyday Jesus. Because when you begin to get happy with the everyday Jesus, he's going to take you up on a mountain. And he's going to show his real glory to you. He really wants to. I really believe God really wants to do that. And that's what's going to change your life. That's what's going to impact your life. God wants to impact people's lives. So let's just stand up for a minute. and Lord help. Yeah, yeah. Lord help. Lord, we just pray for impartation and revelation of your, of your goodness. Um, isn't it great how the grace revelation has been released in the earth that's the glory of the Lord that's a part of the glory of the Lord is the grace revelation somebody told me one time I don't want to hear anything else about grace I'm thinking are you kidding me man that's part of the glory of God jump into it jump deep into that revelation the goodness of God jump deep into that the truth jump deep into the truth that's the part of the God's glory Jump, whatever it is God's revealing, however he's revealing himself, jump all the way into it. 
and jump in it and stay in it until you feel like God is saying, okay, now we're, we're not going to do that no more. We're going we're gonna to add something new to your life. So if you would like uh, that more thing, just re- lift your hands to the Lord. If you, if you really want more from the Lord, if you really want God to reveal himself and, and reveal his glory to you, and if you're, yes, Lord, we just pray that. We pray, Lord, help, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Lord, teach us your ways so we can know you, Lord. Lord, show us your glory. Please show us your glory. Like Moses, Moses said, please show me your glory. Show me your glory. Let me see your glory. And let me be willing to see your glory in the mundane and every day of my life. Let me see it in the details and the routines of my life. Lord, help me to begin to catch it. Ask the Lord to do that for you. Tell you want to catch you want to catch his glory in your everyday life and you're getting up and you're going about your business and coming home and then going to bed at night that you want to catch the glory of the Lord that's what the Lord was telling me you got to learn son how to catch it there you're wanting all this thing up here and I'm right down here I'm in the valley of mankind that's where I am I'm walking around that's what Jesus did when he left the Mount of Transfiguration it says he went down into a valley and there was chaos down there there was Terrible things happening. There's confusion. And that's what he walked into. Lord, we ask you, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Let's just allow the Lord to to just put something in us this morning about his glory. That these just wouldn't be words, but our heart would be touched today with his glory. You know that old movie about the runner who said, I feel his pleasure? Remember that movie? The, the guy, was, yeah, Chariots of Fire. The guy said he felt God's pleasure when he ran. Well, that's what you got to find inside of you. Okay? That's what you got to find when it comes to God's glory. you gotta, you got to find where there's a pleasure when you think about it. It's gonna be, it could be a little different with everybody. There's a pleasure of God that He wants to release into people. And I believe He wants to do that right now. Okay? So, anybody want to take a step of faith this morning? I'm serious. I believe God wants to release something into some people in this room where there's a a new pleasure with the Lord Himself would start operating in your life. Where your Christianity is not some struggle or not something you're just trying to get through, trying to do the right thing, trying to, where all that just sort of goes away and there's this passion gets released in you. This desire gets released in you because you're seeing something that's very desirous. You're seeing something that's causing you to have passion. That's really what Christianity is. That's really the way God wants us to live our life. He doesn't want us to live our life trying, having rules and trying to do stuff, trying to live right. No, He wants our life to be a response. Response to His beauty and a response to His glory, response to what He's done. That's how God wants us to live. Otherwise, your Christianity is going to be miserable and you're not going to want to celebrate it. You see what I'm saying? That's what the glory of God can do for you. That's what it can practically do is release this pleasure in you. This pleasure towards God and the pleasure towards the things of God. That no longer is about doing spiritual disciplines. I mean, I get discipline really good in the natural, but I don't, I don't get it spiritually. Because to me, that's going the, the wrong, you're trying to go the wrong way with it. God wants us to be driven by passion for Him and by love for Him instead of a have to. So just anybody who feels that, anybody who feels like this is where I am, this is where I am. Lord, I'm kind of messed up. I'm kind of, things are not kind of working the way I want want them to work in my life. Does anybody in this room feel that? I mean, I want you to come up here because that's the way I was feeling. Like This thing is not working no more, Lord. And it's because God was saying, because you're looking in the wrong place. You're trying to get something that you, that's not there for you. I've got a different way I want to approach you and reveal myself to you.
really what the Lord wants to do. It really is all about passion for Him. You know, the glory of God will cause us to love God and desire God. I'll tell you this one other thing the Lord told me. When I, in the middle, I was being messed up. This is when I was in England. I said, I went to bed one night. I said, Lord, you got to show me what the heck is wrong with me. I'm just messed up, Lord. I feel so far away from you. And everything I'm doing just feels dead to me, Lord. Please tell me what's wrong with me. So I went to bed. I was thinking the Lord might give me a dream, which he often does. Woke up the next morning, and I heard these words clearly. The cares of this life. The, you know what? That relieved me. It made me feel like, oh. Because I thought there was something deep and dark, bad, wrong with me. It's just the cares of this life are consuming you, son. Worries and things that are going on in your life, they're consuming you. That's what your biggest problem is. Give those cares to me. Jesus said, this is what Jesus says, All you who are weary and heavy loaded, come to me. That's what he was saying. Byron, you need to come to me and I will help you with it. I will get you into a place of rest. And I will give you wisdom to know how to deal with these cares of life. And these cares are real. They're practical. They have consequences to them. They're things that must be addressed and done. It's not being negligent. It's not being irresponsible. But it is approaching things with, with the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. And allowing God to teach you how to approach life where life doesn't consume you and worries doesn't pull you down into the ditch. So if you're that person, raise your hand. Lord, hold your hands up. I'm with you. Lord, you said the cares of this life would choke the, the Word of God out of us, choke Christ out of us. Just release these people who lift their hands to you today. Just release them from the cares, Lord. Give them wisdom, Lord. Help them to come to you today, Lord. Just come to the Lord right now. Just go to Jesus with those worries. And tell them, Lord, they're eating me up. They're eating me up. They're eating me up, Jesus. Just say, Lord, I need to get back into a place of rest in my spiritual life. I need to get back where I really am, functioning from this heavenly place of seated with Christ. Just release that right now, Lord. Everybody that's suffering from that. Just release it, Lord. Release it, release it now, Lord. Free people today, Lord, from the cares of this life. Find me grateful. Find me thankful. The other thing. This is how I look at the other part of what I was. It's performance. When you're trying to do something spiritually, that's performance. Instead of letting the mind of Christ in, you can't. If, if you're trying to be spiritual, you can't be. The only way you can be spiritual is by allowing the life of Christ to flow out of you. And so you have to repent from performance. is trying to do something, whatever it is. You need to repent from that and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I tried to see in the spiritual realm. I really am. That's stupid, Lord. I, I made a terrible mistake spending all this energy trying to connect on a level instead of letting you work through me and open my eyes to see what you want me to see. Lord, we just release that today, that let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Let this mind like you yeah, nothing like your love, Lord. And I just want to be where you are. And I just want to be in your heart. There is nothing like your love. That's right, Lord. That's right, Lord. That's right, Lord. There is nothing like your love. That's the way it is. Let that love touch you this morning. Right, Lord, just right in your presence, right in the middle of your love, Lord. I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love. 
That's it, that's it, that's it. There is nothing like your love. Yes, Father. That's it. Let that just go up. Let that go up. Let that go up. Holy, 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 you are Lord. We so grateful that we're in your presence right now this morning. Oh, because you are holy, Lord. Absolutely set upon, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So, Father, I just ask you this morning. That who you are will touch us, Lord. Yes, yes. Yes. Nothing like your love.